0: Lorraine Lamb is a homelessness advocate, and right now they're going to be moving people out of the Novotel Hotel where homeless people have been for quite a long time. And where do they go from here? What do we do? We got a different lens, I think, into homelessness. We talk about housing as a right, but we also talk about things that would incentivize getting people into those scenarios. Having a roof over your head also needs to change blurred behaviors. We have to talk about addiction and mental health, and we have to not just talk about it. We have to do things about it. Are people always willing to get the help they need? Some people say, I don't need any help. I don't want any help. What do you do then? They're all important conversations. Some of it we bring up here on Toronto Today. Lorraine, thanks very much uh, for making the time, um, reaching back when I reached out. I-, I appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for making space for this conversation.
0: Of course. Tell the audience you- you're passionate about this. You uh, you advocate and and I appreciate that advocacy. Um, why-, why is the issue so significant to you?
1: Yeah. So I um, have been working in the community for over 10 years and a lot of the people that I work with have honestly just become loved ones to me. Mm-hmm. And so it is baffling and mind-boggling to me that like society can treat people who are so vulnerable in such pretty awful ways. Um, and so I think with the tell in particular, in this particular story, um, the way that the city is displacing hundreds of homeless people um, is is honestly something we should all be outraged about.
0: Where should... Where are the best places that they could particularly go and do they give you opinions as to what they'd like to see happen? They know that their time in the hotel is probably finite and it's inevitable there's a move to be made. What do they say they want when you have those conversations, Lorraine?
1: You know, at the end of the day, people want deeply affordable housing, right? Like. People are in these spaces of shelters and like hotel shelter program is because there is no housing. Right now, the wait list for affordable housing is about 10 years long and longer if you have accessibility needs. There are over 80,000 families um, on the wait list. So this is actually like, so the, the existence of these hotel shelter programs is a symptom of a really, really deep problem that we have um, across Canada in terms of the lack of housing. And at the end of the day, that's what people want. People want a place that they can call their own, where they can lock their own doors, have their own belongings, paint their own walls, make their own pop charts. That's what people want. They want their own mm-hmm.
0: homes. Lorraine Lamb is our guest on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto. Where you bring that up, and where I think people have moved, wherever they were, and however far they moved on that conversation, is exactly where you're at saying, oh, They see the numbers and it says this is what it costs your city to deal with people that don't have homes. This is what it would cost to provide affordable homes. And even if you make the case, well, there's short term infrastructure that needs to be built in even in the short term, let alone the long term, Lorraine. We pay way, way, way more in taxes for services and people experiencing homelessness than we would if we had affordable housing for them.
1: Absolutely. Right. Like I remember at the start of the pandemic, when the hotel shelters were opening up, there was an article in CTV where the numbers were crunched. And the numbers showed that for each person in a hotel shelter program, it's $6,000 a month. Mm. Now, can you imagine $6,000 a month is a lot of rent subsidies for many people if we actually have the housing infrastructure. And so the city, the way that they've been spending money is on a lot of Band-Aid and like surveillance solutions. So for example, maybe people heard about the RFPs that went out to um, basically spend so much money on security contracts, on private security contracts to patrol the parks. Now, I don't know what patrolling the parks is going to do in terms of, of addressing homelessness, but that money could be spent in such wiser ways
0: now i'm going to bring this to you san francisco did uh, studies on their homeless population and they found two-thirds struggle with addiction or mental illness there will be some listening that say you guys are on the right track with the economics how do you help people that don't want to be helped do those scenarios exist do we need to talk about addiction do we need to talk about mental illness more we can't put anybody in programs that refuses to be in programs what would your response to that be
1: I think that housing at the end of the day is a human right. And the way that our society is starting to look at it is that it treats it as a commodity. And so in my opinion, whether or not you have addictions or mental health barriers, you deserve access to a place to call home. And a lot of people actually die on the streets before they even have a chance to access programs. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, we see from city data that the median age of a homeless person who died last year was 45 45 years old. And I don't know what the average age of your listeners are, but 45 means like my parents and all of their friends, they wouldn't be alive. And so we need to ensure that people have access to basic needs to stay alive. And honestly, like people cope in very many different ways. And some people cope by using drugs. Other people cope by clicking on Amazon and shopping. And at the end of the day, I think that Um, if people die, then they don't have a chance to access any kind of stability. And we need to stop criminalizing um, drug use. I think we need to challenge our own stigmas. And to be really honest, knowing what some of the people out there have experienced, I would probably be using if I were in their shoes just to cope and just to survive another day. I mean, we all experienced the snowfall in Toronto last night. How many of us, how many of us saw people riding transit just to try to stay warm and catch a snooze. And if that was the way that I had to survive, I'll be honest, I would probably turn to a lot of mind altering substances to try to survive.
0: And well, I, I think you're right. I, I I despise the idea that we're degrading people's human dignity. We, we can't create equality, but we can provide equal opportunity for a baseline. And, and you nailed it. That's basic shelter. To me, food, water, shelter are basics. And I'm almost to the point where I'd say, can we house people? Can we provide a reward for some of these positive behavioral outcomes? Overcoming addiction should be applauded and that's where I, that's where I don't want to stigmatize people, but we should say you shouldn't want to be outside in an encampment. you shouldn't want to be using drugs. Let's guide you to the point where we can help you and get you off of them. but that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of investment in in the people themselves to do it.
1: yeah, and I would say honestly, like people who are in these situations have survived for years. And so I mentioned earlier that the waitlist time for affordable housing is over 10 years long. So in the 10 years, a lot of people have figured out what they need to survive. And so for some people, it's living in encampments. For some people, it's riding transit for years overnight. I think that to assume that they don't know what's best for them, frankly, I find that it's a little patronizing. And I, and I think the best way to actually support people is to ask questions like, what do you need? Instead of assuming that we know what they need and that we're the ones to guide them. And I think if we listen carefully, I think a lot of people living in homeless shelters and encampments have spoken up over the years about what they need. It's just that their voices aren't being heard. And I think that's what it means to be marginalized. It means that they're saying what they need and yet mm. society is doing everything to not listen or doing everything. That's not what they're actually saying that they need.
0: Lorraine Lamb, our guest. Hey, thanks very much for, uh, for shining a light on, on this issue. And uh, I I want honest, Frank uh, conversations about how we deal with, with homelessness. I I don't think people have necessarily turned on the issue, but I do think people are, it's more in our face than it's ever been before. So we either ignore it or we address it. And thank you for addressing it today.
1: Of course. Thanks so much for having me.
0: You bet. Uh, It's uh, Lorraine Lamb joining us. It it is one of those scenarios where um, I, I look and I go, there's not an easy solution. You do have to, people have to want to be helped and to be convinced to be helped is a very difficult situation. Um, our homeless population is up. I don't have the numbers and the change of population, but I bet you, if you look 10 years ago compared to now, you'd see a massive, massive difference. Now, again, there was such controversy when the city brought cops in and cleared out the encampments, and I get it. I, I get. I see both sides. Is it too heavy-handed? We can certainly make that case. Was it a mistake in retrospect? Yes. Can we have people sleeping in tents and, and in encampments in our city, on sidewalks and parks and alongside highways? Absolutely not. So how do you shut down open drug seeds? How do you stigmatize the usage of drugs in the open and not stigmatize the person? All those are big questions.